0: Welcome to episode 118 of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. I got a hot one for you today. I speak with Dr. Shelby Harris, who is a psychologist in private practice in New York City. She specializes in behavioral sleep medicine, anxiety, and depression. and She's the clinical associate professor of neurology and psychiatry at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and the author of the book, The Women's Guide to Overcoming Insomnia, get a good night's sleep without relying on medication. I know her from Instagram as Sleep Doc Shelby, where she provides evidence-based information about sleep wellness and sleep disorders. If you are a woman who struggles with her sleep, this is for you. We're talking about evidence-based information and practical solutions. Let's go. Welcome, Dr. Harris. I'm so glad you could join me here today. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad to be here. So give us three bullet
1: points about you. Like if somebody
0: wants to know something about you, tell us, who are you?
1: So I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm now in private practice um, in New York City or just north of New York City. And I specialize in behavioral sleep medicine. So I used to run the sleep center at Montefiore. It's a pretty big sleep center for over a decade. And I treat people using evidence-based practices without medication to help them sleep better.
0: And outside of your career, tell us something about you.
1: So three things about me, let's see. I am a married mom of two kids. I have an almost 12-year-old and an almost a five-year-old, a boy and a girl. Um, I love to cook and bake and I am a avid marathon runner. I'm currently training for the New York city marathon and then another marathon a week later in my local town.
0: Nice. Okay. What are you known for baking or cooking? Like, what is your dish? Like people want you to make it,
1: uh, for baking. It's the Swedish upside down torte that I make. That's a family family oh. recipe. I don't know why they call it. So it's like layers of um, meringue and cake and whipped cream and strawberries, and it is absolutely delicious. It's not that sounds I amazing. I don't make it routinely, but it is unbelievable. So I make it for special
0: occasions. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Delicious. So, as a perimenopausal woman who yeah. works with perimenopausal and menopausal women, sleep is a hot topic. So, thank you for coming on to discuss it today. We're gonna jump right in here. I actually learned something following you that I did not know. And that is that women are more likely than men to develop insomnia. In fact, twice as likely.
1: Mm -hmm. What's up with that? So there's a few reasons. So one is there's just a biological predisposition. It's interesting. We see in boys and girls before they hit adolescence, sleep issues are actually equal, especially like insomnia issues in kids. Once they hit adolescence and hormones hit, that's when the the actual differences start to happen. So for women what we see a lot of is we see at different stages in life I hate to say it's throughout. So when you have when you're menstruating a lot of women say that 5 days before they actually get their period they have sleep disruption. For some people they get excessively sleepy, a lot of women it's just insomnia and their just mood might be off but the insomnia can be really strong. Mm-hmm. So that can go on and on and on for months and years then pregnancy right? When you're Mm -hmm. pregnant, there's a lot of hormone issues that happen, discomfort, and then after, when the baby comes, we see a lot of problems then. And then paramenopause. So we see the hot flashes, the night sweats, the racing mind in the middle of the night. And then the other thing, reason we see a lot of insomnia in um, women is that there's more roles that women tend to play a lot of times. So it's more of a social thing. So they're working, they have kids at home a lot of times, or they're taking care of elderly parents, mm-hmm. and then they have to do all the things at home. So there's multiple roles that make sleep much harder to get to.
0: So it's hormonal. And also there's that added piece of like that emotional labor that we as women carry that maybe men just don't seem to have as much. So exactly. That makes perfect sense. Um, I know your work focuses on overcoming insomnia and improving sleep without the use of medicine. Yeah. What are like top of the line gold standard non-medical treatments for insomnia?
1: So the first thing, if you have chronic insomnia, meaning like months on end, multiple nights a week. What we always try to do first for most people is something called cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia. That is the gold standard treatment in sleep medicine, primary care, multiple societies. What that is is just sleep hygiene, but sleep hygiene is not enough for chronic insomnia. So it's sleep hygiene plus changing your bedtimes, wake times, very individualized, changing your thoughts around sleep learning behaviors to quiet your mind before bed and in the middle of the night. So it's a very short-term treatment for many people. Um, I don't see people weekly. So I'm usually every two weeks and it can usually between four and eight, sometimes 12 sessions is very effective, just as effective as sleeping pills. Wow. Okay.
0: That is a really short period of time, especially yes. for those of us who've gotten months without sleeping. We think like the answer is going to be an incredibly long period of time. Um Okay, so it's partially sleep hygiene and partially changing your thoughts around sleep. Tell me about that piece of it.
1: So this. Sleep hygiene stuff, I always think of it as like brushing your teeth. So we just leave that there. You got to like follow proper sleep hygiene. When it comes to the cognitive components, some women especially, but I think people in general, they start to worry more about their sleep than they ever did before. So they're thinking more about it. They're trying to force it. Um, oh if God. I don't sleep tonight, this is going to happen tomorrow. I won't be able to function. Function's a huge word that I hear all the time. So yes. it's about learning to hear the thoughts that you're saying and then reasonably and rationally challenge them. Because a lot of times you think the worst case scenario is going to happen. And most of the times the worst case scenario doesn't happen. So if you learn to temper them a bit, it actually can help to quiet your brain so that you're not going to worst case scenario. It's not positive thinking, it's rational thinking. And then the other thing we tend to do is mindfulness a lot. So meditation, but people always use it at night to fall asleep to. We don't use it that way. I have people meditate during the day so they get... about it from exercise standpoint right you're getting a muscle that's stronger in your brain you're getting better at being able to focus in the moment so if you practice it during the day guess what at night when your brain is really active it gets easier because you have put in the work during the day to just let things go so it's not
0: that makes that makes perfect sense And so this idea, so like, let's say I'm a person, I have insomnia, I'm laying in bed and my thoughts are like, oh my gosh, like I need to fall asleep because now, and and I'll do this when I have insomnia. I'm like, okay, if I fall asleep right now, I'm getting five hours of sleep. Okay, now I'm going to get four and a half hours. I have to fall asleep right now. I'm not going to be able to function. I'm going to be a mess. And you're saying that those are the thoughts you then help
1: people to rationally A hundred percent. So I'm assuming there's some clock watching happening where you know how many hours. Oh, for sure. Right. And that's so common. So the first thing we always do is let go of the clock. That's a hard one. But it's that sense of trying to control the night. If I do it now, I'll get four hours. If I do it now, it's about letting go. Because Mm -hmm. that's the whole idea of what sleep is. Sleep is not a conscious process. It just happens. So if you learn to not force it, it gets easier. And it's easier said than done. But usually the first step for someone like that, challenge it, right? What Will you actually get through the day tomorrow? It might be hard. But I also have them get out of bed. Because the more you lay in bed trying to force it, guess what? It gets worse. So if yes. you get out of bed, just changes the environment for a little bit to help you just kind of calm, do some relaxation, read a book, whatever, and then go back to bed when your brain's a little bit quieter.
0: And does that part, like what you're doing when you're up, how much does that matter?
1: It matters a big, a big amount, actually. So we call that stimulus control. Stimulus is the bed. You're controlling the bed only for two things, sleep and sex. That's it. Mm -hmm. So this has been researched since the early seventies. And what we find is if you just lay in bed, tossing and turning, trying to force sleep or just awake for a long time, the bed becomes about that. So a lot of women, especially women in perimenopause, they wake up in the middle of the night with that brain that's super active. If you keep doing that for months on end, laying there for hours, you've now trained your body that the bed is a place to wake up and think. Mm-hmm. Getting mm-hmm. out of the bed, teaching yourself, nope, not for the bed. It actually is really effective. It's not meant to make you sleepy. It's just meant to teach you, don't do this in bed.
0: Yeah. And so my go-to is, and I know, I know for sure the first one I'm gonna tell you what I do when I can't sleep is a no-no. Yeah. I get on TikTok because it's mindless, right? And I know, like, first of all, we're like electronics, blue light, that's bad. And I think yeah. also just that fast stimulation that can't be useful, right? Yeah. That's no, not light. ideal. Yeah. I know that one. Here's the second one. And I'll tell you my logic behind this because I'm sure other women do this too. And I'm going to guess you're going to be like, that's not a good plan. What I'll often do if I'm like wide awake and I just can't sleep, I'll be like, well, if I'm, if I'm awake now, I should just do my work now because I'm not going to be able to do it tomorrow. And so I'll just come down and, you know, I'll just start doing like, I'll like write notes for a podcast or do research or whatever it is I'm doing. When I think back to it, like clearly my mind is now really, it's highly awake, right? Like I'm, I'm working. That can't, be, that can't be the right choice, right? It's
1: not ideal. You know, a lot of people will say they do it. And I'm like, well, if it doesn't create a problem for you at all, like you're not going to want to change it. But if you're noticing that you're really angry about getting up, it's probably not ideal. Partially because you, if you do it, like a lot of people will do this at like four in the morning or five because they wake up too early. Yeah. So I ah, ask, screw it, I'm going to start my day. So then they have a cup of coffee, they start doing work. What you're doing is you're actually training your body with the light exposure, the coffee, whatever else, that now it's daytime. So have yeah. now routinely started to actually get that light. 4 a.m. is your
0: new wake-up time. You got it. Yeah. So what do you think are some good things? Somebody's waking up in the middle of the night, they're going to be like, okay, I'm not staying in this bed. I'm going to do what Dr. Harris says. I'm out of my bed. What are some good ways to fill that time yeah. until you're sleepy again?
1: So it's really just finding something that works for you. That's quiet, calm, comfortable, and relaxing that you can do in dim light. I love people stay off screens. Um, but it really varies. I, I personally get up and I like to listen to a podcast. So I know that's a screen, but I'll just look, turn it on, turn it over. Um, I do, I've done have patience and myself. I do stretches in the middle of the night reading audio books are great podcasts. Like I said, are great. Some people like adult coloring books. I mean, it's finding something that works for you that passes the time. So you're not Sitting there in the dark trying to force yourself to get sleepy because that's the recipe for disaster.
0: Yes. You can It's you know, it reminds me of the idea like when, when I'm working with women who are trying to lose weight, so many of them they get this deadline in mind. Mm-hmm. And as the deadline's approaching and they're not seeing like the exact progress they want, they start fixating on that deadline and they end up making stupid choices. Like it doesn't help any to focus on like 10 pounds by June 6th, 10 pounds. Like that's not helping. Right. And when okay. they forget about that, they actually end up with better results.
1: Exactly. thing. So it sounds, it sounds, yeah, the same it sounds thing. really
0: similar. So I've read that cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, that it works even for night sweats. Mm-hmm. And I it, don't, how does that happen?
1: That we don't fully know. <laughs> That's the problem.
0: Because it's, it's, like, when I hear that, I'm like, wait a minute, I've had night sweats. How is anything we talk about going to help with that?
1: We don't fully know the mechanism. I will tell you, it, it's wonderful. And that all this research, research is now starting to happen in the perimenopause menopause space when i wrote my book two i mean it came out two years ago but so i wrote a four or five years ago there was so little research there still is but there's the ms flash study there's the swan study there's stuff that is coming out we don't fully know the mechanisms what we're learning right now is what works and cbt for insomnia is one option It doesn't work for everyone when it comes to hot flashes but for some women it does we, we, there's something about the d de- it deepens your sleep throughout the night. Um, when you do CBT for insomnia, that that might have some mechanism that's helping, but we don't really have enough research on it yet.
0: All right. I'm going to look forward to the day that when we do know, because I find that fascinating. I totally believe you that it works. I just, I read it and I'm like, how's that working? <laughs>
1: I know it's strange, but it's, it's definitely one, right. We always try when we think about insomnia treatment, we try the least invasive, least medication approach. So that's one option. And then, you know, there's hormone therapies for women. I mean, there's all different, it's a time when there are so many options that yes. not sleeping should not be your option.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. True or false question for you? Yeah. True or false? A good night's sleep starts with a good nighttime routine.
1: Uh, true and false. Dude, it's important that. A nighttime routine is really important you have to wind down that's the other thing is women especially go to bed like go 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 go, and then it's like i'm gonna trumpet that's not helpful you need to wind yourself down because whatever you wake up with at three in the morning is gonna be on your brain but i would argue that a good night's sleep starts with the morning so tell us about that if you get up at the same time routinely as often as you can i know it's not always perfect but get up get light exposure start your day don't sleep in to compensate for bad nights That consistency with the wake time and the light exposure is what helps set your bedtime more routinely.
0: Okay, so you're saying as much as possible, like seven days a week, get a pick a time and don't like if you didn't get enough sleep one day, don't try and catch up by sleeping in
1: another day. Don't, especially if you have more chronic insomnia issues sleeping in and going to bed early or sleeping in is kind of the death of the whole problem. So, if you don't have
0: chronic insomnia, sleeping in once no in a while not a big not deal. Having an if issue. you
1: notice it doesn't happen the next night that you have trouble falling asleep or the night after, but really starting at the same da- time every morning getting up around the same time, it builds up this hunger and appetite for sleep so that when bedtime comes, you're hungry enough for a good night's sleep. So it's really the morning that drives the night, but you do have to wind down and kind of decompress too.
0: So morning routine, you're saying pick a pick wake time, Yep. Get, get some light.
1: Get some light. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, right? Just go, like I go in my bathroom. I work out usually in the morning. Okay. I'll go in the bathroom, open the shades, stare at light if I can. If there's no light out at that point, I have an alarm clock that has a nice like dawn simulator. Oh, okay. And I do, I do a two-minute meditation in front of the window. That's it. Interesting. So you're not even saying you have to get outside. No, no. I mean, it's it, it's ideal to get a little bit of light for if you are someone who likes to exercise to get some light, get outside if you can. I try to exercise in the morning with as much light as I can. I don't always get outside, but yeah, that it's the light exposure, but you don't need a huge wind, you know, wind up routine, shall I say, in the morning. It's Got it. light exposure and consistency with what time you get up.
0: Got it. And is there a more ideal, so let's say somebody wakes up and it's not quite light outside yet. Is there an ideal amount of time that they should hope to get some light in before I'm saying? So like if I wake up and like, it's not going to be light for another hour, is that still like when it is light, I should go stand in front of the window for a
1: while? If you can, I mean, light during the day is great. And it's yeah. it, there's some research that actually says if you're someone like that has that mid afternoon slump when you want to take a nap, which is normal. And you want yeah. that cup of coffee, bright light for 20 minutes, sitting and having your lunch outside in the light is just as alerting as a cup of coffee.
0: So Most in the afternoon, the so if you start feeling that I'm sleepy, getting some yes, light. Some
1: light. Most people are just sitting at their desk in front of the screen. <laughs> not doing yeah, anything. I've
0: never heard that
1: before. Take this a break, right. 20 minutes, go sit outside if it's nice enough out or sit in front of a window, get some light exposure. So wow. yeah, morning, if you get up and still dark out, it's fine. It's not the end of the world. But if you're so like now with the winter, it's going to be sluggish in the morning. If you're sluggish because yeah. it's dark, that's where those dawn simulators or smart bulbs. You can get things that you can program on an app that will go off on their own. Okay. Just turn the light on. There's enough tech out there to help make the light happen.
0: Awesome. I love hearing about that. So what do you think is the most impactful thing women can do to improve their sleep?
1: Um i think it's a making time for it so if you don't have insomnia i mean even people with insomnia sometimes do make time for it but it's making time for it making sure that you can decompress a half hour to an hour before bed i think is key so you can't what like i said earlier if whatever you go to bed with on your brain is going to be there when you wake up in three at three in the morning So really make time for yourself to unwind and ease into sleep is the first thing. And then make time for sleep. So a lot of women that might not have insomnia, they just burn the candle at both ends and they don't make time for sleep. So consistency, ease into it and don't lay in bed tossing and turning. That's the other big one.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this like kind of unwinding routine, I'm assuming that means like we've put our screens away. I actually, I, um, I bought an old fashioned clock radio right before the pandemic, I decided I was going to try to sleep without my phone near me. I had bought several, I bought this one and like, they didn't show the time until you touched it. And I'm like, when I wake up in the middle of the night, I want to be able to see the time. So anyway, I went through several clocks, um, and finally got one and it didn't last long for me. Cause at the time I had a teenage son who was always out late and it made me nervous that I didn't have my phone near me. Cause I'm like, what if he needs to call me? Like I get it it just made me nervous. So now, now that he's out at school and my daughter, she's too young to be out and about late. So I think I'm going to give it another go. Cause I have the clock. Do you think that that's small potatoes or do you think that that's a, that's a, a good goal to not have your phone next to your bed?
1: I think it's a great goal. Um, but to have your phone, like I get it, what you're talking about. Like, you know, if you have family, you can take your phone, but you can still put it across the bed, right. And just put, do not disturb, but have certain people allowed to call you if there's an emergency. Yeah, so you're yeah. not getting every text. Yeah, It's like there's some debate now in the field about whether the blue light before bed is alerting. I would argue it might be, but I also think most people are on their phones scrolling, 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 watching Netflix, whatever it is, that that's part of the problem. It might not be the blue light, it's that you get sucked in and then you're up later, your brain hasn't decompressed. Mm-hmm. You haven't gotten whatever thoughts or worries or to-do lists written down. So then you go to sleep and then you wake up with it all in your brain. Yeah. So I'm a fan of right. trying to get rid of that stuff. But if you struggle with it, start with five minutes before bed. Yeah. You do five minutes before bed, then move to ten minutes. Um, and then slowly get get to the goal of at least a half hour before bed. No screens.
0: I'm a big fan of that approach for literally any goal right?
1: I agree. It doesn't matter
0: if like an hour is optimal. It doesn't matter if you're not at an hour yet. Let's get you somewhere, two minutes, five minutes. I I think that's that's fantastic.
1: Whatever you can do that you can do consistently, I'd rather than that than not at all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, What's been happening in your field since the start of the pandemic? What do
1: you Uh, (laughs) see? It's been just, I mean, for insomnia in general, the rates have skyrocketed. Um, And I think for in my in my area of specialty people are looking for help for anxiety and sleep issues and I'm busier than ever and I think everyone's noticed they're calling it corona insomnia. they were calling it for a while. but I think you know people are having insomnia just because their schedules were all thrown off. there's a lot of stressors and then people have just continued to have insomnia and the other big thing that I'm seeing a lot of now too is that at the beginning of the pandemic we were all freaking out. I was there I know you know like I was in the same place and most people or not most people many people, started sleep aids or anti-anxiety medication yeah now we're an hour or a year and a half plus in that people are starting to try and get off of it so my area of specialty we're having more and more people come to us trying to get off of all the medications they originally started on so it's and is
0: that um is that a difficult thing to do
1: for some people it can be it depends what medications they're on what combinations of medications it can be difficult sometimes there's a physical addiction sometimes there's a big psychological addiction to some of the meds. Ah. Um, and that's when, you know, it's not the, the nice, neat and clean four to eight sessions because you're slowly tapering people off of medications, but it does work for a lot of people. So it's, it doesn't have to be medication is the only option, but it might've been the option at the time.
0: Somewhere on your, your page a while back, I was reading about the idea of whatever the thing is that starts your insomnia might not be the reason you're continuing to have insomnia. Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
1: That's a great question. So that ties into what we were just talking about, right? So Think about with COVID, the beginning of COVID, stress, schedule changes, having to take care of kids who might be homeschooling, all that stuff started our insomnia. That was an obvious trigger for many people. And some people got COVID and didn't sleep well. Now, what happens is a month, two months in, you start to develop behaviors that maintain the insomnia. So if you're someone who is now not sleeping well, you start to think more about sleep. Than you ever did before well i sleep tonight what am i do? you start picking and choosing different things there's a little bit of magical thinking that sometimes will come in like if yeah. i sleep with my arm this way or i use this pillow or this type of mattress maybe it'll help <laughs> or i try these meds tonight whatever it is that starts to creep in more there's more of that focus and hyper focus on sleep people's sleep patterns change they try to compensate more they might lay in bed trying to force sleep more alcohol all those things start to build in and that's the stuff that we actually start to target for CBT for insomnia. You can't change that COVID happened and the pandemic happened, yeah. but we can change how you're responding and how you change your sleep patterns. And that's what continues the insomnia. And that's where we work to try and fix it.
0: That's fantastic. Um, I think that's good for people to hear because yeah, it can feel really overwhelming. And a lot of the women that I, that I, coach who are in perimenopause and menopause, they've, they've had insomnia for years, you know, and I'm, I'm somebody who has suffered with both hot flashes, right? That was a terrible time period. It was three months of no sleeping for me. Um, hormone replacement therapy was the answer for that solved it. The insomnia kind of comes and goes for me. It's not in very small increments. It's a big deal, but I have clients who have been suffering with insomnia for years, Yep. years. Um, and I have to say, I don't know if a single one of them has tried cognitive behavior therapy. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see what kind of impact that would have on them. Um, it can be really draining when you just feel like I just, I am not a person who gets to sleep.
1: 100 percent, and that's that's why i wrote my book is because when i wrote it and came out in 2019 the whole like menopause paramenopause movement that's really around right now was only just starting a little bit. yeah it wasn't there and a lot of the women that i worked with were like i wish that more people knew that there were options to help you sleep whether it's hormone whether it's cbt whether whatever it might be but people didn't know the options yes and i want people to not suffer and to talk about it and i'm glad people are talking about it more because they didn't for a long time
0: yeah i think it's um that period of time we're talking about just these last couple of years this conversation interestingly i will say it's something that i noticed in my own personal circles women are still not talking about perimenopause and menopause. That's not something that I'm out like to dinner and people, well, now they'll talk to me because I don't shut up about it, but it's not something that typically like you just hear women talking about, but where we do hear it is on social media and on the news and in books. And so I think that that conversation is being brought to these women and in coming years, it's going to be a normalized thing that we discuss. Right. Yeah. And so I agree, like, and I'm thrilled that people like you are writing books on these really specific areas that like, we need to hear this stuff. We need help we need, we need practical, like, here's what you can do. Tell us the name of your book.
1: Uh, it's the women's guide to overcoming insomnia. Get a good night's sleep without relying on medication. I love it. I'm 29. Um,
0: available just everywhere. Like Amazon. Widely available. Or, Amazon
1: you can get it. Yeah. Barnes and Noble can get it a lot of places
0: fantastic. So I was reading something about you and it reminds me of what we were just talking about just about habits generally about the idea that you can start with something super duper small and then, you know, kind of titrate up from there and I was reading about how you started running years ago. <laughs> Tell us about that. I'm really inspired by
1: that. So I was a little bit of the opposite when it came to that aspect. I was like, I'm just going to fall on it. So No, I heard that you like started like walking and running and walking and running. I was a little bit. So what I did that yeah, that's how I got into it. So when i was about to turn 30 i was working at the sleep center at montefiore and i was constantly telling patients i had a lot of apnea patients and it was like we need you need to work on exercise and losing weight and all this stuff and i was overweight and i was sitting there and i hadn't exercised at all and i felt like the biggest hypocrite and i wanted to practice what i preach so i decided i was going to sign up for a marathon having not been a runner at all and hating running but i gave myself i did it with team and training so that was a wonderful at the time it was like there weren't many fundraiser organizations and I felt very connected to it. And so I joined the group and over 10 months, they got me to run a marathon. Okay. So, that well, is really fast. So Fast, but I started in January with like, with literally run walk. So I would run for two minutes or run for a minute, walk for four, do that for a week or two. Then I would run for two minutes, walk for three. And once I could start to run a mile continuously, it took about a month. Then I moved to a mile and a half. And when I started really training for the marathon, I had a five mile, six mile base, which was totally appropriate. And over six, seven months, six months or so, I would say I got to the marathon.
0: Wow. That's impressive. And you've done a couple now.
1: I've done 15, I have 16 and 17 marathons. (laughs) That is a lot of marathons. It's a lot of marathons, yeah. And so you love it, clearly. I love it. I love the camaraderie, it gets me up. So I'm one of those people who is very consistent with my bedtime, wake time, especially on the weekends because I have a run group that I meet. And for Uh me, that's my break. That's my mental processing, my solitude. That's what I love to do. And I love running with people too. So talk, talk, talk. So it's a lot of fun and strength training is the other thing that I, I know that you do a lot of strength training, but that's yeah. really, I started doing that about three and a half years ago. That's what's kept me running. So I'm not a high Amazing. mileage runner. Usually I do strength work twice a week and I'm a huge fan like that. I believe in a hundred percent to keep. Oh, fantastic.
0: Running. What's your favorite lift?
1: I love the shoulder press. Yeah. Yeah. That's I have, good one. I have abnormally strong shoulders.
0: So oh, well, I, love, I just it. love it.
1: Yeah, I Good love
0: for it. you. It, I? it is true that we tend to like the things we're good at. So if you're like, I have strong shoulders, it doesn't shock me that you like the shoulder press, right? Don't
1: ask me about like back squats and stuff. because <laughs> those, <laughs> those I struggle with, but yeah, I love it.
0: Interesting. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm sure it's this question for you is going to be like, when people ask me like, what do I eat in a day? And I'm like, yeah. I will tell you to give you some ideas, but really what I eat in a day says nothing about you. What is your bedtime and your wake time?
1: So my bedtime is usually, it's interesting, and it changed a bit with the pandemic, too. Um, right now, I'd say it's about 9.45, and I get up at 5.45 most mornings to work at. Okay. That morning. So, yeah, pretty consistent.
0: Yeah. Nice. That's very similar to my husband's. Um, so tell us, um, what do you have coming up on the on the horizon? What exciting projects do you have coming up?
1: Um, so. So I do a lot of stuff on Instagram and I've been doing this sleep challenge this month with some people. So I hope people are, are tuning in. Oh, what in. kind of sleep challenge? Tell just us about Shelby that. It's a Shelby sleep challenge. It's the, I'm on week two now and it, we're talking about this week, we're talking about um, decompressing before bed, setting a wind down time, turning off electronics. It's just getting people to start thinking about their sleep a little bit more over the next month and to see if people people can make some appreciable small changes. Right. Um, and then to also make people think about, do I need to go see a sleep doctor to get assessed for more chronic issues, right? If the challenge isn't enough, then maybe you should be seeing a doctor.
0: Um, so I can can do people that. still get in on this challenge? If somebody oh yeah, you, like, anybody hey, can
1: join. join. Anybody can join anytime. And I'm nice. doing like an Instagram live. I'm doing a bunch of those over the next month. And then I think I'm working with a few companies. So I'm working with like Bed Bath & Beyond. I'm doing a lot of stuff to just get the word out there, to get people thinking more about their sleep. Mm -hmm. And I'm just busy, busy, busy in private practice. That's like my biggest thing is like, is trying to get as many people help that need help in the area and getting people to other areas um, because I'm only licensed in New York. So people who aren't in the state to get help where they can.
0: Got it. And so, if people are interested in contacting you, what's the best way? What's the best way for people to find you?
1: You can go either on Instagram, it's at sleep.shelby, or you can go to my website, Dr. Dr. for Dr. Dr. Shelby There's usually the two best ways to reach me fantastic
0: well it has been a pleasure talking to you I know I've learned new things and I am positive other people have as well um would love to have you back on again because I feel like there's like still like a lot of questions I could ask you
1: (laughs) sleep all day long so
0: I'm happy I bet
1: thank you I bet
0: thanks so much Shelby
1: anytime take care
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I hope you found it motivational, inspirational, educational, organizational. If you did find value in this episode today, it would mean a great deal to me if you would leave a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to this episode on. It really does help to get this podcast in front of other people. Thanks so much for being here.